2: strike emotions and i knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions
1: can you yeah. imagine uh cult fiction starring goofy and uh mickey mouse
2: i can totally imagine that you i'm sure somebody's written like that with cheese and france mickey?
0: <laughs> what <laughs> boy ale with cheese <hell, geez>. yeah <laughs> i can totally see. see i would i would watch the hell out of that movie
3: yes i gladly saw sacrifice at my my Progeny to view a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil
1: Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, uh, it's my time. Uh, <laughs> How do you measure success? Hey, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Speak.
0: I'm your host, Dave. And I'm now in pain because I told Dave before the show <laughs> I had a headache, and he just yelled, I'm With John. Energy. You gotta you <laughs> have to start up here. Start uh, yeah. down here. We're only going to go down. I, I I'm slow and steady, and then work my way up. <laughs> and of course, as he stated
1: last week, JD is off this week. He is at a wrestling camp because that's what he his daytime job is. is a wrestling coach. And uh, but in his place, we have a great guest with us this week. It's been a long time, quite a few years since he's been on, but he's here to catch us up on what's going on with Damage and Incorporated. And of course, it's the one and only James Burton. How
2: are you, sir? Greetings, everybody. I am doing a pretty fine for today. I had a crazy week last week finding out that we're, uh, one of the books I was on is nominated for a Ringo Award. That's the Cthulhu versus Wonderland, and my Kickstarter funded, and I'm just trying to build it up and work on it. So there's a lot going on, but it's pretty positive stuff.
1: Nice. Cool. My Spider Woman fell over.
0: That's uh, because she's a scroll.
2: <laughs> uh, <what> is she? <laughs> So how's
1: everyone up to? John, I'll start with you. Do you have a headache? You might pass out at some point. What's new (laughs) with you?
0: (laughs) Eh, not much. I've been talking about how I've been hitting the uh, light novels hard. I think, let's see, I'm up to number 16 of the, was it Death March Rhapsody to a Parallel World? Basically, that's 16 light novels I've read in about two and a half weeks, I think it's been. That's Um, a lot. Yeah, meanwhile, my... John Paul Sartre, Being in Nothingness, is sitting next to it, right along with Finnegan's Wake, two books I've been trying to get into and, and finish, and I just got sucked into a nice, easy thing. So uh, I'll have to get back to those books afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, everything's been going good. Um I found some stuff. I- I've got some really nice recommendations for the end of the show. We'll talk about those later. But oh. uh, yeah. And looking forward to the New York Comic Con.
1: Oh, yeah. How about you, James? What have you been up to in the
2: past, what has it been, six years? <laughs> Five? Hey, John, what do you define as a light novel? Are those like pulls or...
0: Ja- Japanese light novels. Uh, like,
2: they're
0: not really What I mean, have I been it, up they... to?
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: Uh-oh. Okay. Weak. It's the satellite lag.
2: Um... Sorry, guys. I
0: think I might be having a connection issue. <laughs> it eh, could be. No worries. You gotta shut you down know. all the video windows. <laughs>
2: all the pop-up ads even the one I'm you talking got, you got got
0: to stop hitting refresh on your Kickstarter. It takes up a lot of bandwidth.
2: Yeah, that's the most addictive thing I can think of, so hmm. I try not to get too obsessed with where it is and what it's doing, but it's really easy to just keep hitting that button.
0: Yeah, oh no, <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm sure it is. So other than really interested to see how your Kickstarter goes, seeing as how you have a, you're going to have a few probably lined up over the next few years, how, how else how's everything else? Uh, can you hear us Well, oh,
2: the six years dude right, right after i talked to you guys i went to i can hear you guys i'm just for some reason my computer's behind what it should be crazy right when i talked to you guys last right after that i went to go and help a friend and start his small business in the bay area turned into a two-and-a-half-hour-each-way commute where I was on the road five to eight hours a day. And after a little while, it it just kept beating me down and beating me down. And eventually, after accomplishing what I wanted to there, I left, start working up here locally again, which I'm really happy with that job. But the best part about it is allowed me to have the time every single day to work on the books that I like to
0: create. Oh, Cool. No.
1: Yes, we heard. Of, yeah, it'd be a big commute, but but it gave you time to work on the, the and then you end it with you like time to work on the books you wanted to create.
0: That's a long commute too. Oh, no.
2: it's okay. Yeah, it, it was. It would turn into a really big change. I mean, yeah. I, hmm. Guys, I think I should probably reboot and give yep. this thing a chance for a second. Yep. This no is problem. Get worse and worse. Why,
0: why don't you? Yeah. Re, why don't you reboot? And joined back it's in, it's
2: unprofessional as hell.
0: It is, this, this is not, it's probably Microsoft Windows doing an update. All D- right. Dave and I know what happens when Microsoft decides, no, you update now. While we're
1: waiting for James to, to reboot and clear his cache on his computer, uh, I guess I could say what I've been up to this past week. Not much, except I have an announcement for the podcast. We are going to be starting an interview series every the plan is to release them on fridays there's a bunch of people who wanted to come on the show but it's hard to book things and make it work out timing wise and if we've got a movie we want to review then we've got to bump them and those kinds of things and i've got five people that want to be on right now so like i'll just interview them and we'll release them once a week it's a little extra content for our youtube viewers so if you're listening on audio you'll have to watch these on youtube so there you go little incentive to go check that out and i recorded the last the first one not the last one the first one this past friday with mickey klaus clausen wow i almost said his name wrong i'm good at that uh mickey clausen he is a independent artist he's had a studio for years he taught art in college and recently retired yeah it, it's a, it was a good interview and look for that this friday on our youtube channel that's uh If you're watching this now, you you know where to find it. If you're listening, it's YouTube.com forward slash Superhero speed. So, yeah. And then the other thing I did was get caught up on Secret Invasion. John?
0: Mm -mm. Yeah, we need to talk about that. I, after watching episode three, I'm, and I'm normally hardcore, like I'm a completionist, I'll watch everything. But I just kept finding things that I wanted to do more than to catch up on that to watch the next episode that's not a good sign and it i'm just finding it hard to see how this is where they're going with probably one of the most well-known and biggest storylines in all of comics that this that this is it like the first two episodes seemed okay then i watched episode three you know what the boat
1: it was funny because jd said this the last couple of times we talked about the show and even though he's not watching it, he said the problem with the comic series was there was all this hype around it. And it ended up being a nothing burger. And I feel like that's where this is going too. I don't think anything that th- there's going to be a couple things that last through this, like obviously killing off what's her face.
0: Oh, Hill, right?
1: Yeah. Killing off Hill is going to last because mm-hmm. she was human and there's no way to get around that. I don't think, but I feel like, They've given did you watch episode
0: four? no, I haven't gotten to it It's okay you can spoil it for me because let me put it to you this way that the reveal all right we we can talk spoilers right yeah, okay, so the reveal of Rhodey... yeah just was like that's how you're gonna reveal that There, were like when I can come up with so many way better ways to do that reveal that would have increased the tension and and made it a huge reveal instead of the stupid. What
1: the hell? Just in a conversation with his wife on camera with the character's name,
0: yeah, uh, which spoiled the other reveal with the fog wipe on the mirror. What was the point of that? and and here's the thing that, that from what I've seen from you know, from the rags, what i from what I've heard, this might be part of the problem, maybe the cost cutting that all the streaming services are doing as they transition from before the pandemic where everything was like, you're an investor, and you're like, "Oh, here's a million dollars. you got a streaming service? Oh, you're losing a couple hundred thousand dollars a minute yeah, that's okay. Here's all the money. We'll make it up later when you take over, right? And then during the pandemic, that whole bubble broke, and now all the investors and the investment groups and all that, they're all saying, they're all sitting there going, "Where's the money? where I want to see your sheets? I want to see black on your sheets and all of the all, all of these internet companies now and, and for the most part, the streaming services now. They're having to show that they're profitable and that's why we're seeing contraction where a lot of them are like, okay, so we can't really have our entire, was it our entire uh, movie selection available all the time. So we're going to start taking stuff off to save money on streaming and storage and all that. And again, it's hitting a lot of the productions too. Uh, and I'm thinking that, I mean, that the scuttlebutt is that this seems to be a side effect of the contraction and, and the amount of money that they're putting into these things, which is they're not putting as much into them. But to do it now with the with secret invasion is the worst time to have done it.
1: Never interrupt that... John when he's on a roll.
0: Welcome back, it that... <laughs> Sorry, man.
2: Sorry guys, my garage
0: was so hot it actually overheated all of my computer equipment that out there. That makes sense your processor overheated and went into low power mode. Oh, yes, it did. that that's fun.
2: Yeah, and it's, there's a 30 almost a 30 degree temperature difference between the garage and my inside of my house, so I apologize for slowing everything down.
0: Dude, we've been doing this for 10 years. That is nothing compared to some of the te- technical glitches we have. So so that's we'll ask you
1: since we've been
2: uh, hot and heavy in this topic, have you been watching Secret Wars? I will not be watching Secret Wars. The beginning of it, instead of using real artists, used AI. Uh... And um, I have very strong feelings about the stupidity of using AI on a lot of different levels. It's great for certain things, but in all honesty, creative endeavors, I'm not a big fan of it. It took me forever just to even be able to be willing to use digital tools when I create things. Um, And now I've learned it's not so much the argument between digital and manual for me. Digital just basically gives me hundreds of shaped brushes that I can use. But AI, let's be honest about what it is. AI is for greedy ass corporations to fire people for their brains that they've been manipulating, using, and taking advantage of for multiple generations. And just one more way for the ridiculous investor groups to make a profit and why should I help that
0: now here, I- I'll tell you the idea that they used AI on the beginning credits
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think there's any way you're going to be able to stop that kind of thing I don't think it should be the norm or everything should use it but I don't think this is on our notes SAG-AFTRA uh, just went on strike Mm-hmm. this week. In, yeah,
1: there's a story in, that, that's related
2: to it, but yeah, go
0: ahead. Okay, but they went on strike in concert with the writers group the first time since yep. 1960 that's happened. Right,
2: yep. And, and a big part of that is people being switched out, people's images being used, and all right. kinds of...
0: The thing that pissed them off the most, that pissed off Fran Drescher and, and her group to the part, point where they said "No, nah, screw this, we're, go- we're done, mm-hmm. was like, during the negotiations, one of the one of the, what is it one of the? Man, my words are not gr- doing great today. Wait, the the executives who are getting millions mm-hmm. of dollars. One of their concessions, a concession to the Actors Guild, was okay. Tell you what, this is a great idea. We'll take the background actor. Okay, the ones, the background actors, all these background actors that a lot of these actors. This is the way they get into the business. This is the way they in yeah. the business. This is how some of them pay their bills, just being professional background actors. We will offer them one day's pay to scan their likeness and their voice and then get to use that in perpetuity until the end of time, whenever we want, in whatever situation we want, in however they want. Yeah. That was their concession.
1: I don't understand how how that flew, yeah.
2: There are stories that the different actors tell at different times. I've heard Quentin Tino... Quentin Tarantino tells a story about how he was a background actor for a long time before he became successful. And there were months where the only reason why he was able to eat and basically one step above homeless sleep on somebody's couch is because of a residual check that he got from being in an episode of Golden Girls.
1: I think I think one of the problems because I've seen people saying things like they don't care and stuff, and it's I think what they don't realize is they see like the big stars go on strike and yeah they're millionaires but there are millions of actors who yeah. are background actors who are doing commercials to survive they're not millionaires there's just it's like a regular job for them
2: Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of different things in the industry that have bred all that misconception in a lot of different ways. For example, every movie trying to be a blockbuster and forgetting about the lessons of Deadpool 1, which was made under a way smaller budget, of the horror industry where all their movies have these ridiculously low budgets and have to get really creative to get made, all of those different people are a part of this in a lot of different ways and those are the people that made all the movies that we grew up on that were especially amazing when you sit down and you talk about as a kid the things that inspired you yeah there's going to be somebody saying that indiana jones was a big thing to them kevin smith talks about that all the time but there's also the people that talked about how much they loved the Neverending story how much they loved dark crystal yep. how much they yep. loved all these little cult films. And you know what? None of those cult films are going to get made if if they continue on with this line of thinking. Yeah. Having AI decide how profitable something is going to be without taking anything else into context other than The profitability, oh, it's worked so great letting a logarithm decide what we see on Facebook. It's so much fun logging in and seeing ads 90% of the time and not seeing that a friend of mine had a baby two weeks ago. All those different things, that's the life that we're signing up for by letting any media outlet let AI make our choices
0: for us. And here's the thing, we've already seen what happens when the studios, who are still human, barely human, they're maybe 10% human, 90% cocaine. But we've seen what happens when they do this four quadrant triangulation of what human beings need to see on the screen in order to make the most money. How bad is it gonna be if they start hanging that off to a learning machine that can't even they, they can't even tell you if what it's telling you is real? So the Those that- machines
2: are gonna get the- so smart so quick. They,
0: they yeah. are. That's the truth. It, it's it, it depends. There's a technological thing, but Dave, there's one more one more point I want to make, because I'm gonna roll. But no, roll, Sean, it, roll. It was heard from the executives on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. I forget if somebody just caught whiff of an email or was in an email chain, or I forget where it was heard, but they. It's known that one of the that the executive plan for this strike is literally. They literally said we will wait until they're all homeless. We can wait it out until they're homeless.
2: And in all honesty, the whole basis I, of the union is to make sure that doesn't happen, item one. Right. And item two, you, the cattle barons, because that's all it is, and the guys who are lording as gatekeepers over everybody's lives on a creative level, mm-hmm. honestly, that's always their perspective. Yeah. yeah. I got all kinds of lessons running that small business and seeing a lot of that. And there's a reason, there's like whole groups of people I want nothing to do with as a result well, of it.
0: Yeah, and that belies, that one, sorry, Dave, one more thing. That belies <laughs> the point. That belies the actual underlying problem of this whole thing. When the executives have made so much money and got their huge bonuses and have so much in reserve that they can just, not make a movie so, for a couple of years while they that, wait out. They I, wait I out. hope they oh, don't. That's the problem. I hope they don't. I don't want
2: any more of this executive run garbage. So, I don't want any more of that. So here's Sorry.
1: what's here's my thoughts on it because I feel like the industry that's a quite a, like a decade ahead of where the movie industry currently is the music industry hmm. because yeah. they had we had they had streaming and all that stuff way before. Oh, the, yeah, Napster. Be, Jump, Napster Jumpster, and right, all that right. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, people don't realize there has been an algorithm, a computer algorithm for decades yeah, using in the music industry that determines if it's going to be a hit or not. Determines a song. It can listen to a three-minute song and it looks yeah. for key and, things and it says, this is a hit song.
2: And raise your hand if music has sucked balls since the 90s. <laughs> I was
1: yeah, going to say, gonna say so, what it doesn't account for is everything on the radio sounds exactly the same. Until because a band like Greta Van Fleet comes along, who's a throwback right. to the seventies and is unique and everyone runs out and sees them because it's different than what they're hearing on the radio. Well, An algorithm of,
0: can't take that into account. And, and and part of that problem is the people using the algorithm is clear channel communications, which owns, has a monopoly Everything. on, on yeah. most of the radio yeah. stations that yeah. you listen to, which in itself of itself is a problem. And so, that's why you mm, get yep. the same list of 200 songs on almost every channel you can find in any given area.
1: I could be wrong, but I feel like the thing that these big studios are not taking into account right now is that there's going to be a craving for independent films. You'll get actors who will now go make an independent film that has nothing to do with the studio. Like A bunch of actors get together and decide, let's make a movie, and they put it out. And they'll, right, they'll but they're try trying to, to put
2: everybody up. in such a weak position that, yeah. that that point is minimized. But that's how that industry started. It started with people who were uh, this close to being bankrupt, and it started with people like Disney. Walt Disney went bankrupt twice before he got his studio to be profitable. And and he went through a whole – the reason why the Disney Corporation has always been so guarding on its copyrights and so insane about distribution and whatnot is because of the lessons Walt learned by getting screwed over by guys like this
1: it's the lesson of generational wealth in the sense of there's the generation that earns the wealth. The second generation appreciates it a little bit. By the time you get to the third generation, they have no appreciation how the wealth was gotten there. So they spend it all and they end up poor. Like it's, no. it's it, that happens all the time. It's the same idea. The people who founded these studios, they're long gone. The people mm-hmm. that are running them now have no idea, no appreciation for what it took to build them up.
2: They're just protecting no, what they have. They, yeah, they're just melting. Just profit. Yeah, yeah, they're there. That's all it is to them. It's a venture capitalist thing, and in all honesty, the the people whose fault this really is all of us. Yeah, letting the corporations turn into megaliths and going. Oh, I really want a two billion dollar Avengers movie instead of this other. Cool. I, I saw one of the coolest superhero movies. I think I saw was a crazy indian flick about a guy who got superpowers by accident and ended up like murdering one of the i can't remember the name of it and, and ended then up like you just half
0: of the indian movie <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly but it was way more creative than anything hoss whedon has done since well, buffy. yeah and their dance numbers are amazing and their storylines are actually really fun to watch and yeah. it's because they're like they're just store they're not these triangulation things yeah but by the way, if you want to, there is a place you can donate to SAG-AFTRA in order to support the, you know, all the non-really famous actors that are basically the backbone of if, like almost everything you've ever watched. And that's members.sagfoundation.org slash donate.
1: You put that in the wrong, you should have put that in the regular comments. So people. Oh, I can put that in it. the
0: regular comments too.
1: Yep. Throw well, that I, in the comments, John, so people could grab
0: it. There you go. Yeah. and And we'll... We'll have to, it's telling me that I can't do that here. I will work that out. But yeah, we'll, we'll put, we should put that up with this episode too.
1: It's If you're on Facebook and YouTube, you can see that link in the, in the chat right now.
2: So yeah, that's a good idea. I, there, I still work with indie film groups. I still work with people like uh, I do storyboards and other things. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a script for... A local company, right now. I still work with these people that they are trying to work with SAG actors and trying to make sure that everything is efficient and doing things right outside of Hollywood. And there have been situations where I've seen them literally be talking about distribution and whatnot for a small horror production or something like that, mm-hmm. and get shut down by the, the whole gatekeeping thing is still completely live and well. Even though we have stuff like Kickstarter, even, even though we have things like Indiegogo, Hollywood is built on gatekeeping for the last couple of generations, and in all honesty... This situation is an attempt to call it out for the problems that it's creating being the way it is. The first Star Wars was not made on a budget, The Last Jedi, and The Last Jedi is a steaming pile of dog crap as an example. And in 100% honesty, I would much rather watch the creative experiments that Lucas was working on when he was a kid. Yeah. The reason why all that stuff worked is because it was a creative endeavor and somebody took a chance on it. A lo- An algorithm didn't think that Star Wars was going to make money. No. Nobody thought that film was going to do a damn thing. There were actors in the movie that were just expecting a paycheck and thought it was going to bomb yeah, and just be something yeah. that they
0: deleted off of their resume. This is why we have Indiana Jones 5. It's because they don't want to take a chance on anything that might not make money. They just want things that will make money. So they keep going back to the same source. Same. Well, right?
2: yep. Yeah. yeah. Human nature.
0: Yep. Unfortunately. So Dave, so Dave, we are way off. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> All right. So
1: here, here here's what I'm going to do, right? We're going to skip social media madness this week. I'm interested
0: about the no show socks thing.
1: Oh, well, that was a comment on our YouTube video on YouTube. from. Did our, we make it to WikiFeet? One. It's this was from read this crispy tortilla 4883 said wire cutter has a no-show sock review so i guess we need to check out wire cutter guys so we can see the no-show sock review yes we were showing our socks last week we're all wearing no-show socks and i think we were all sober i'm not sure
0: i I was i think
2: you do what you got to do to promote your show even if it's showing a little skin right yes yeah
1: And I know right now there's people watching this or want to be watching it afterwards who are like, oh, come on, talk about the Kevin Smith thing. And I'm going to say that, first off, I don't want to have to pull James into this. It was a stupid thing that happened on Twitter. Now no. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I would rather talk about it when JD's here because, but long story short. Okay. Okay. Long story short, real quick. When we promote the show of course we send tweets out that we talked about x what do you think to hear our opinion click here and it's a link to the show right so they can they go watch or listen to it depending on what i i'll link out the apple podcasts or the the youtube channel and yeah you've always done that dude yeah exactly we had talked about an article last week where kevin smith had said that people weren't going to movies because they're too expensive there's more to it than that but that was the headline from geek tyrant where i grabbed the article from and so we had a conversation about it. It was a pretty good conversation. We talked about, yes, it's expensive. Things go to streaming much faster. So people have a tendency to wait. There's other factors. There are still people who are afraid to go out because of COVID, there's too many blockbusters coming out. So it's hard to pick which ones you want to go to all these kinds of things. <laughs> and stuff we were just talking about, like they won't make a low budget movies anymore. So it's hard to, you're constantly ha- expected to go opening weekend to a $300 million movie and make it make, be successful. But that, that's, what I said in the tweet was Kevin Smith's movies are too expensive and that's why people are going it or is it something else click here for our thoughts, right? Kevin Smith replied "Oh, cool," and said, I didn't say it was only ticket prices. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't say you said only either in my tweet. There's a like (laughs) a long conversation and there was a little bit of back and forth with him, which was like, in, I thought was like in good fun, but all the Kevin Smith stands are you familiar with the term stan? Somebody who um, lives on social media who follows someone just to either say they love or hate something. If Kevin Smith says I love this, they're all gonna say, Oh, I love that, it's a great thing. If,
2: if someone he says he hates it, they're all gonna jump on and say, Yeah, I hate that too. And um, he's talked about it on his podcast about how that's not how he looks about things and wishes people wouldn't do that.
1: Mm. <laughs> but So here's, so there was a lot of, there were, now, there were some really nasty people. I just blocked them right away. Like, I'm sorry. If you love Kevin Smith, fine, but I didn't insult him. I was just telling, saying we talked about, I tagged him in the tweet. That's why he noticed it, but we've talked about him before and I've tagged him and he's never responded. This is the first time he's ever done this. And then again, and then eventually got to the point where I was just like, I finally said it, sent a tweet. It said, we at Superhero Speak, if we offended you Kevin Smith, we apologize. I feel I still feel like this might be a misunderstanding. The problem with social media is content
0: the the characters that Twitter gives. This is one of the reasons why this is one of the reasons why Twitter is dying now in, in addition to the Musk thing, but you're yeah, talking
2: like, about Twitter is the perfect place to get your message clear the first time and Everybody
0: usually understands each other. That's yeah, sure. Twitter's just a utopia (laughs) of understanding. Exactly. Nobody's ever taken anything on Twitter out of context. Here's
3: the funny thing about,
1: here's and here's the final funny thing about this that I'm going to say, and if JD wants to talk about this more next week, we will. The second reply that he didn't reply directly to the original tweet, he took the tweet, sent out his own. he, He copied the URL to that tweet, sent out his own tweet. And tagged us and and had the URL. So if you heard the term ratio where, like, you've got a 1,000 comments but only 10 likes, that means people didn't really care for it. We didn't get ratioed because people were replying to Kevin Smith, not to us. So we don't have thousands of comments on there. I think there's 12 comments and 10 likes. and But it's been viewed over 14,000 times, this tweet, because of this. So it's just, thanks, Kevin. I didn't... I didn't mean and, anything by this, and
2: but thank. In it. all honesty, remember Kevin's an indie filmmaker. He's done some corporate stuff, but he also does a lot of other indie work. Come on, he doesn't even take his movies to the into actual distribution. He does it himself right. now, and so and,
0: he, that was probably done to help. Yeah. and going back to what we were saying, a lot of his movies are way more enjoyable than the stuff we get from the, <laughs> from the big companies. It's just yeah. Uh,
1: so I'm just going to end this with. I have nothing against Kevin Smith. I understand he's afraid of being taken out of context. It's the main reason he replied. Yeah. And I get it cuz it's happened to him many times in his career. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't trying to use this as clickbait or anything like that because it is what he said in the article, right? Like he expanded upon it, but again, you've only got so many characters on Twitter and you're trying to get people's attention so they'll click on your link. So yeah. so again, if you're I'm doubt you're watching Kevin, but if you are we apologize and tell your fans some of them are nasty. That's Ah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, dude, he that, sees are comments, too, dude.
1: <laughs> if you want to be a part of social media madness for next week, here's our good friend Don to tell you more. How's
2: the hmm. show going? You join it? Do you want to be part of social media madness? And go ahead and head over to superhero speak.com where you can find all the social links. Episodes of the show, you can find comic reviews by Chris and other articles, we're posting stuff on there all the time. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network, great shows like the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Colt 4 to 5, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, So Wizard, and Superhero Speak. Hashtag GWAllStars and you will not be disappointed. So make sure that you are engaging with the superhero speak Twitter post whenever they come up. Give us your best comment, and you may make JD say this. I get so <laughs> tired of these
0: dumb motherfuckers. <laughs>
2: All right, it's back to the show. Oh, I
0: don't get tired of hearing that last part. Neither do I. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, that, I, I, I should make that so that when I get a new email, that's the that's what plays. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's what you're. I'm gonna to have to set my phone to use that as a ringtone every time somebody hits me up and I get a little game. I'll probably get in trouble at work. Gotta do what you gotta do.
1: Every time my boss emails me. Oh, wait. I was also told by Don everything is fine, but he is no longer doing. Oh my god, pa, not Popper. I'm just saying pop, Popper's and Power. It's the name of his show. It doesn't matter. It's gone.
0: Why is mine? Because he didn't just erase the show, Dave. He erased it from history.
1: Mm -hmm. Hold on a second.
0: He's just that powerful.
1: That's
2: impressive.
0: Because actually
1: in his message, he just says, stop plugging my show. Why is my brain
0: blanking? Because it's a Monday night, not a Sunday night.
1: Yeah, he's not doing his podcast anymore. He said he doesn't even think he's going to, like he had taken a hiatus before. He doesn't think he's going to start it back up again. He's fine. He's just got other things he's concentrating on right now. So I'm
0: let's sure. have him on every once in a while whenever he feels whenever he has the, the feels for it. Oh definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's got a few things to say about the this show oh. that
0: <laughs> Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> so always me-
1: does, don't they?
0: Suddenly regretting that, but okay. All to right,
1: all right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with a little bit of news.
0: Some podcasts are like this. I don't wash
2: my hands. I don't really trust people that wash their hands because, one, I don't think it does anything.
1: And some podcasts are like this. And let's be honest, I'm starting to think it's a scam because I have a, a very painful sunburn. They have no sunblock in the 17-1800s, but yet nobody was dying of skin cancer, so what's <laughs> giving you skin cancer? <laughs> Listen, that the is sun a phenomenal the sun? point. But only one podcast is where you can get in-depth analysis like
0: this. So like Max is like searching through these fake photos of his old fight for the murder memories, and we get another flashback, and it's fucking, it's the same. It's the same flashback! Fucking. Nothing has changed,
1: no information has been brush. added.
3: Cave in skull head explodes.
1: nothing about this flashback gives us anything Two new rings grab a rope nothing about this Shadow is important fingers. why are you showing th- why are you wasting my
2: time showing this fucking flashback that i've already seen was there a quota to show david Carradine's face like 85 times it had to have been oh
0: You are now now listening to Cult45.
2: This is Beat'em Down. And I'm
1: Random Rendy Savage.
2: Find us on all your podcatching apps like Podbean or Spotify. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or just go to www.cult45podcast.com. Also, check out our YouTube for that sweet video content. Cult45, the only podcast that puts hair on your chest.
3: After these messages, we'll be right back.
1: So... (laughs) So, John, you would send an article or a, a trailer last minute. I have to ask our guest if he's seen it, because I did see it. The Godzilla minus one official teaser. Did you have you seen that yet, James?
0: No, I haven't. And it, I love it, Godzilla. It's, yeah, it's a new trailer that just came out. It. I'm uncertain as to what the time frame is. I think it's a redo of the first 1950s. I think it was Godzilla or maybe just after that, but it looks amazing. And the little story that goes along with it is that Legendary, and and this Godzilla minus one, by the way, is is from, it's like a continuation of Japan's Godzilla series, not the Legendary one from here, but Legendary handles promotion for this stuff in America. But (laughs) Legendary was supposed to, they're supposed to show stuff about that And Legendary was also supposed to show the trailer for, was it Godzilla Final War, whatever the hell the name of that new one is. And it's, they're pulling out of the San Diego Comic-Con because of the strikes. And and I'm wondering just how bad San Diego Comic-Con is going to get hit by this, considering...
1: I I have quite a few friends on Facebook that have said they're all getting ready to head over to San
2: Diego, so i I don't think that we'll see it this year because all the tickets are already pulled out, yeah, they're gonna be missing some vendor paid money, so it really depends on how they got their stuff set up. If they're thriving off of the money they're being paid by the vendors, then yeah, they're gonna be hurting. But if they're thriving off the money that they're paid by the fans, then they'll be fine. The problem's gonna come when all the muggles aren't showing up to watch the movie previews,
0: right. And by the way, the new movie, new movie is called Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire. But the the thing is, you they can't even actors can't even go out and promote anything that's currently or already finished. There's a that means a lot of studio Comic of.
1: I don't know if it's so much they can't, but why would you go promote a movie for a studio that you're protesting against? Or well, be- no, they
0: literally can't. They these SAG-AFTRA. What was it? They? Right. I think it was for the Barbie yeah. movie. They didn't, and and for Oppenheimer, they waited until the premiere was nearly over for that, so that the actors had a little bit of time to promote those shows, and then they pulled the trigger on the strike, yeah. and the act, and they made, and they did it just so that the so, Oppenheimer actors could walk off of the premiere.
1: What this translates to: to is announce this, No one is going to go see the Aquaman movie.
0: <laughs> well, because it, it doesn't matter anymore. There yeah. won't be any promotion for it. Yeah, that too. I don't know. Maybe that might actually help it. (laughs)
2: In in my opinion, I'd like to see a lot more smaller movies done by more creative people. I don't see how this could hurt those things in the long run. It'll hurt in the short run. But in all honesty, none of us are getting to really see those creative movies now unless somebody does their stuff on YouTube.
1: So here's a funny thing that ties all into this is that last week we talked about the script indiana jones and the city of the gods which was the original story for kingdom of the crystal skull
0: it was like it was like what the second revision of the original script
1: yeah it's like the second revision and i enjoyed that by the way everything Mm -hmm. ties together everything makes sense in that script like maybe not a hundred percent sense but makes way more sense because like when you go back and watch crystal skull things just happen and they don't like at the end, he was still wanted by the the CIA, but nothing happens. He just, They just stopped talking about it. You know? Yeah, and the
0: random George of the Jungle scene was, like, weird, too, with the yeah. CGI monkeys. Like, it just, it, it it flowed way better, even though I think we all agreed that it so, could use another revision or two to, to put more action but, into it. But it that, was like that's the whole thing.
1: Still. You can tell that was, like, the studio going, oh, we've got to do
2: this, and we've got to do that. Yeah, because somebody had an idea, just, like, how... Right. There's other examples where entire movies are built around somebody high up has this idea uh, that Superman lives story with Ke- with that Kevin Smith worked on as a great right. example. The most yeah. dangerous thing in the world is a giant spider. And then that's not even Superman. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Right. And what did we get in the Flash movie? We got five minutes of that thing being in the background because somebody still clung on to the damn thing. Right.
0: It, I, I, yeah. And um, and I've made them. I've made the mistake in the past of attributing Kevin Smith to the giant spider, but it wasn't him? It was the same. It was one of the writers. Um, I thought it was it the was
1: producer. producer. Yeah, the what? producer wanted it. The yeah. producer, the same
0: yeah. producer who then went on to do Wild West. Yes, and had the giant spider. He got his giant spider. but that's the, all about like, creative like, ego, dude. Yeah, and 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 that's a perfect example of, of studio interference. Because what, what what that producer tell Kevin Smith? You you can't have Superman. Can't have his okay. Uh, no cape? Let's see. What was the other thing? I don't
2: want to see the stooth. Right. And you must and have it. It started off with a polar bear, then it turned into... It kept changing. And right. settled on the giant spider.
0: And giant spider. It's and you don't want him to fly, either.
2: If, oh, that was a big one, too, yeah. I don't want to see him fly. The most famous thing about Superman, the thing that literally put him in people's visual acumen in the 70s, was him flying above the planet of the Earth.
1: It. it,
2: it some people so- are hopelessly out of touch, and that's they shouldn't be allowed to make decisions.
1: Yeah. Actually, speaking of Superman, brings me to the next article. Did you guys here. that Superman Legacy, they've cast Isabel Mercad as Hawkgirl, Girl, Edie Gathighi? I think that's how you say his name, as Mr. Terrific, and Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner of the Green Lantern. Kind of curious yeah. what you guys think, because my whole thing was I wanted a Superman movie. Now all of a sudden we're getting another Justice League? we are like, getting Justice League and-
0: limited right off the bat. You. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you, you don't bring out Mr. Terrific and Guy Gardner unless you're going whole hog. And if Guy Gardner's there, you've you're already like you're coming into the Green Lantern core right, right. in the middle, like you, you're. Because you, again, that's who we
2: want to introduce Green Lantern to this group of people. We want Guy, Guy Gardner. Gardner, right? Yeah, the it's like, oh my god. <laughs> Green Lantern. Look, I hope Nathan Fillion's a great actor. I hope he's the right kind of jerk. Because he yeah, could yeah. do some interesting things with it, I'm sure, uh,
0: but it wouldn't have been my choice. <laughs> if, I, I, I'll, I'll say this: if anybody could pull off making an asshole adorable, it will be Nathan Fillion.
2: Yeah, um, he has made a career of it. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, I have no, I have no reservations about the actors playing the parts. I have reservations about. do I. What's the story that Gunn wants to tell? Where. I thought they were kicking off a new universe. We were going to get Superman. Now all of a sudden we're going to have four
2: heroes in a Superman movie. Yeah. Dude, he just wants all the stories. He got all the keys
0: to the kingdom. So why shouldn't he use them
2: Yeah, from yeah. his
0: point of view? But is he under some time pressure? Because I, I, they've already tried the let's jam everything into one show, into one movie already. And that didn't work. They, they should understand that they got to, The first, the first couple of phases of the Marvel MCU worked great they're fumbling now but the first few was you introduce a couple of really big main characters in their own movies maybe one or two team-ups and then you hit them with the big one and that which is the truth
2: behind the avengers and its eventual ridiculous level of success but somebody's idea some ai program some whatever why don't we just get to the end and you just we'll call it superman we'll call it we'll call it Batman versus Superman but it'll really just be a man's just
0: oh yeah Kasan Kasan's probably right it's probably like yeah, yeah. Warner Warner is sitting there going you know what uh, would be great right now money
1: i got to do JD's part Kasan says he's under a different kind of pressure the bank account at Warner Brothers is shrinking money needs to come in
0: <laughs> yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't wrong button so I but
2: yeah superman doesn't have a track record of being an amazing blockbuster on its own before Snyder got a hold of it. But
1: I also think that's part of the problem, <clears throat> right? Man of Steel was successful, but there's it had problems. And I think... Yeah. I honestly feel, because Warner Brothers is one of the biggest studios for interfering, I think they came in and went, oh, we've got to like... People might not like this new Superman, so let's make sure we give them a couple other heroes in there they might like.
2: <laughs> yeah, is- if we put five of them in there and we screw up four, at least this one other one will work right. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> they They should really... I mean, I know we we haven't even seen like the beginning. Maybe James Gunn will pull it off. I don't know, but if you look at every other uh, section of that company, like the Bruce Tim stuff and the later producers and directors of the DC movies after the Bruce Tim era, they seem to be they seem to have figured it out. Introduce characters, put them in put them in different situations you haven't seen before, like. They even did The Death of Superman okay. That was actually done for, uh, pretty damn well, considering. You know. Yeah, but
2: they were made by fans. Some of those projects were guided and made by fans. Then oh, yeah, James it's Yes. And, and James Gunn, he was really successful with, uh, with something that basically most fans had no expectations for. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy is a crap comic. It's always been a crap comic. Mm-hmm. It was a crap premise. And he made it work and they're just hoping he can do it again suicide squad i like suicide squad i got friends who think it's like they're they, it's like they're monthly right the second right?
0: one the second one they, they did suicide the pick squad a lot more. not suicide yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> i love i like that one a lot more but there were yeah. things about it both that i liked but the point is is that th- those were low expectation ones and he knocked out of the park so yeah. there's going to be other people who are thinking okay let's give him all the poker chips and see how it goes. I, I get the nervousness of some of those choices, and I get the nervousness of it because Hollywood has not a great track record on it. But if I was going to try it with somebody, I'd probably try it with James Gunn. And I yeah. would love to see... I am looking forward to being able to see what he can do. I'd love to get a, a good Superman again. That kid that they've got for it, he looks like a 19-year-old version of Henry Cavill
0: when you look at his yeah. pictures. Yeah, And... They don't want Cavill. They want the younger version of him.
1: They need need
0: him to be able to carry the franchise for 10 to 12 years (laughs) to use Deadpools. And
2: And I I can understand that aspect of it too. I'm excited to see what it sees. I'm not attached to any actor for it. And it's difficult. Look, Superman is hard to write. Superman has to be hard to act because he is that icon that all other superheroes aspire to. And that's the point of his character. So it's always going to be challenging, but I'm hoping they pull it off. I uh, uh, hope so too. Ink? What is this? That is Sean Barber, a creator uh, friend instinct. of mine. Instinct. Instinct. Inst-
0: instinct. Very, very, very uh, creative there, yeah.
1: Okay, comics. <laughs> Being plugged into the fan base and picking out the things that make it hit when it does... Even if it's weak concept originally, is a great re- representation of new eyes being able to level up the stories. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can do it, yes. If you can't, move aside. Find a fan well, that I I- can actually do it.
0: Yeah, and and again, I'm probably like doom and gloom because I've I've been the the yeah. Chief DC apologist for literally ever since we started this podcast, and that's been over a decade now. I, I, I think one of the podcasts I was on before we were actually talking about Green Lantern. It's been that long. Oh so. my
1: god!
2: <laughs> I so, actually think that was a topic.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if James Gunn does. I, I, I'll wait and see until see what he does.
1: We had talked about the strike. First off, did you guys see the pictures that came out from Deadpool 3, the set pictures that have been floating around on the internet? Of
2: course. We have the yellow and blue, man.
1: Yes, yes, we got the yellow and blue Wolverine. The picture that caught my eye the most is that they're fighting in looks like a desert or something or like a destroyed area and there's a giant (laughs) fox logo on the ground. Something we've been talking about on this show a lot is we think that Deadpool three is going to be Deadpool kills the Fox universe. And that kind of confirmed it for me with those
2: pictures, which would make sense. Yeah. I'm sure it's some of it, but I guarantee you the plot is a little more complicated than that, but I'm sure oh, yeah. there'll be a whole bunch of that. Yeah. I mean,
1: Unless they're faking us out. And this is just like an after credit scene or, you
0: well, know, like well, a, well, again, we've heard that <laughs> we've heard the TVA is involved. So it's going to be yeah. more complicated than that. And, but, yeah, uh, with
2: TVA plus Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds, the plot might actually be interesting. I I think anything, yeah. I think Ryan
0: Reynolds is not going to let us down on this one. No, oh, he's got to be a but, character, except Green Lantern. He killed himself for that, so he gets <laughs> he a pass. <laughs> <laughs> but along those lines,
1: after those pictures came out, production for Deadpool 3 was halted, along uh... with Sandman Season 2 and Venom 3. I don't know anyone. Who's looking forward to Venom Three?
0: Oh no, Venom Three! <laughs> oh, what a loss to mankind. I'm I'm sorry. Like I know they're enjoyable and all that, but I just couldn't really.
1: You know, oh, know. I, you know what? <laughs> you know what? If Channing 10 shows up as Gambit and Deadpool I would love to see him, that. Deadpool kills him. I'm I'm all in.
0: <laughs> Which is it? That was and again that was studio interference. Gambit was supposed to have a much larger role in that movie, and Channing, and he would have done a really great job, and they never gave him a chance.
2: He would have made a killer Ghostbusters too. They wouldn't give him that chance either. Yeah.
1: So I'm curious. Yeah, we're all excited for this movie. I mm-hmm. and like, like we all. I think the Deadpool movies definitely work. A lot of people like them. But are we heading down? I had talked about. I had said earlier, like maybe they're going to get together and do independent movies. But before we get there. Are we heading down to, in a way, with entertainment, COVID two in the sense of there's going to be a long pause of things not being worked on. So is there going to be another big gap with stuff oh, coming the, out?
0: But no, there's going to be. Look at it. The writers have been on strike now for what what two months? It's, I think it's, it's, it's no, I think it's a month, or I or a month. A month? Is it a month? I thought well,
2: it was like three or four weeks.
0: I, okay, yes. so a month. They've been on strike for a month, and now SAG-AFTRA is on strike. And the studios show absolutely no sign of being worried about it at all. I think right, this is going to go on for a while. This is going to until they
1: have nothing to release. Yeah. That's going to be what. That's what's going to be what
2: hits them. Like when they. I, I, I hope every blockbuster that they're trying to get out fails, and they lose. It, they're going to lose hundreds of million dollars in every single movie. It's going to be repeatedly over, and I, unfortunately, human beings only learn from trauma. And if that's how it's got to be, that's how it's got to be. We need more creative, smaller projects. We do not need epic blockbusters to be coming out. Like, for example, another good, another really good example is Pirates of the Caribbean. Nothing was better than the first one. And the first one the studio thought was epically horrible, and they were all totally disappointed in Jack Sparrow's performance because they thought Johnny Depp was ridiculous. And then it exploded because something creative was done. Right. The more creativity we have, the better. And I don't see how. It, yes, it'll suck to have a gap. It, it will, but in to honesty, there's plenty of books for everybody to read, man. And people will survive.
0: And uh, here's the thing that we that. Okay, so two things. When the original strike, writer strike, happened a while ago, what was it? Two thousand wasn't two thousand and eight, was it? Damn it! I need to check this stuff before. When the original writer strike happened, what did we you get? The out last writer strike. Yeah, the last writer's strike, the last time they struck, we got w- what happened. We got reality TV. Yeah. Reality TV happened because of that strike. And that's and basically that's how the Kardashians were inflicted upon the human race <laughs> and all of this, quote unquote, unscripted stuff, which is actually so highly scripted that it it's, it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah. But now this time around, you've got all you've got YouTube, which is like now killing it because Okay, I don't have anything to watch. You've got hundreds of thousands of creators on YouTube that are creating stuff. They're not; either, they're either not member of the guild or they don't need to write anything because most of the stuff is unscripted that they do. And yeah, it's that is going to take a lot of the pressure off. Yeah,
1: this is a good point too, though. That strike killed shows like Reaper and Pushing Daisies. Like, and, it uh, killed
0: a lot of stuff. Yeah, like the the Flash had a bad a bad that was a bad year for the Flash. No, what was it?
1: Heroes. That's what you're thinking of.
0: Heroes yeah. died. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, not the flash, but it, heroes died.
2: It, heroes was so complicated. It was going to eventually run into problems like Lost. It, it was going to happen. It, it started off really well, but it, in all honesty, they didn't expect it to get big, and it they really lost control of it. And I mean, didn't it, didn't that writers' shark also affect Lost as well?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I, I don't know, you guys. Like it, it is going to uh, have all those, but. When that came back, we also had a real golden period of a lot of really good things that went on afterwards. So it, with every one of these challenges, people find a way to push things in a different direction. The problem is that we always keep coming back to the gatekeepers because they got a lot of money. And the longer and the more money that those people lose, the worse it hits the stock market, the better everybody actually is. It it, it that's the positive when it comes to things like this. But the problem is it's a draining experience while you're going through it. So
0: 1973, the writers struck and that lasted a hundred and... Oh, no, that's 1960. One hundred and fifty three days. Oh, so they struck for one hundred and fifty three days in 1988. In 2007, they went on strike for hundred days. So we've got like probably two, if history holds... We're probably looking at at least two more months before the idiots in charge of these studios start to realize, you know what, that history thing, it seems to repeat itself a lot.
2: Yeah, and no, it will. Yeah.
0: But like Sean's point that he
2: just brought up is that Reaper got turned into a comic book as a result of that yeah. strike. There are other creative ways that other people can get their entertainment. People need to know that understand it and just apply it to their own lives like you said youtube there are there's a lot of other activities and the whole world is competing for everybody's attention hollywood is also doing the same thing their numbers are down because of that competition Their numbers are down because of the cost that they're trying to apply out of it and in all honesty it it's just something that everybody's going to have to go
0: through until the playing field levels itself back up Oh, that's the other thing. It's not just YouTube that's taking the pressure off. It's their own streaming services. I don't have anything to watch. I'll go back to the streaming service and see things that I've always wanted to watch but I haven't watched yet. Yeah, my wife keeps watching
2: Friends on repeat. <laughs> like you walk I, in my house and Friends is just playing to the background every wanted, day.
0: I've always wanted to watch The Big Bang. Was it sitcom? I'll go do that. <laughs> that that'll last me a couple. That'll last me a couple of months at least if I don't it. The only thing that's going to happen is that these. Executives, I, I don't know, like they make money from the streaming services, but apparently not as much because, no, like I said, they're starting is- to cut stuff. I don't know. I, I, I hope this comes back to bite them big time because mm. in a lot of other sectors, strikes aren't having as much of an effect. And look what's happening with the Amazon unions, right? They came oh, get Amazon to to sit down with them for the first time after they unionize. But- well, there's reasons for that. Now we're in a
2: topic that I have a lot of other experience of as my day job. When I'm not making comic books, I'm a logistics manager. So uh, a lot of the logistic networks are created specifically to be uh, able to put a damper on that, especially when it's a third party, like UPS Logistics is gigantic. And the whole entire reason why they're in business is so that companies, corporations like Honeywell, can do things like, here's my contract, get all my stuff shipped out the door, I'll send it to you. Oh, you have a union strike, adios, we'll go over here. Yeah. And they this the corporations have just they've done everything they can to build these things into it because the owners and the people that rely on those profits all feel like the unions behold them. There's tons and tons of propaganda speaking out against it that they have managers basically walk around and educate people on. And that education goes both ways. Unions aren't perfect. Anything that's got a human being at the head of it is going to have flaws. And it goes both ways. But when it comes to those networks, and the reason why it's not as effective is like you said before, Hollywood's got a huge cash surplus they can sit on depending on the company, some more, some less. But at the same point, they're, they've also had one, to, like what, five generations of union busting strategy to build right. into their networks. So it's not as effective. And not only that, but there are corporations that are constantly attempting to – the whole point of automation, the whole entire point, is to reduce the number of people yep. and increase the profit of the investor. As there, as There as is as really a, no other
0: point. As well as about. AI because they yep. don't want yeah. to deal with
2: this. Yeah, that's thing. all. It's yeah. the same thing. It, the AI is just a different version of the conveyor belt.
1: Yep. All right. You know what? Do we want to talk about the last story or do we want to – skip it and get into the interview yeah skip that
0: one talk about damaging That's
3: I'm
2: always down to talk about damaging
1: right, let's take a quick commercial (laughs) break and then we'll come back and talk all about your kickstarter and your wonderful
0: comic hell yeah hey Spidey isn't Marvel's new Pizzazz magazine fantastic fantastic but not perfect but Pizzazz has the lowdown on Jaws too and more Sean Cassidy picks than his mother it's sensational sensational but not perfect. How about Pizzazz's Goofy Guide to TV? It's wild look at sci-fi movies. It's games, puzzles, comics. What could be more perfect? Me on the cover, not the Hulk. Pizzazz, the almost perfect new monthly from the -the off-the-wall gang at Marvel Comics. After these messages, we'll be right
3: back.
1: (laughs) All right. So, James, let's... uh... (laughs) Let's start with, for those who are not familiar with your book, what is the elevator pitch for Damaging?
2: The elevator pitch for Damaging. All right, Damaging is a book about friends. These friends go and they start a club to make a little bit of money hunting down supernatural creatures and superpowered metahumans. The problem is they can rarely stick to plan. Everything goes to hell, turns into sarcasm, mom jokes, and gunfights. Sounds like this podcast. Sounds like damn. <laughs> if it wasn't for Mayhem, there'd be no fun in life. Come on.
1: Yes. Cool. And uh, the current Kickstarter that you have going, what is the, that's
2: what, volume two? or? It's volume two. I figured I would uh, go into a new volume describing the new adventures because it's been a while since I released the other ones. Looking at it as, okay, that's the first season. That's everything I did here. Mm-hmm. I really loved how I ended that story with the crossover with Jason Shadow Shadowhunters. I was really happy with that book. And now I am starting into the new volume. So the first one of it is going to be issue one of volume two. It's basically 28 pages of two different stories. I've got one story by Keith Carmona, who is a veteran writer, a teacher of creative writing, and an all-around fantastic creator, Scatter Comics. And he put together a story that's doing things with other members of Scattered, And it basically took Damage, Inc., and force them to face interdimensional giant spiders in a South American temple.
0: Are those spiders again. <laughs> but to say? There's the spiders
2: again. It wasn't my idea. It's always but spiders. It, it's always. Honestly, though, one of the one of the things I was most excited about drawing those spiders is he had this scene that he wrote about the spiders being bulletproof and everybody shooting it, and nothing happening, and I just had this idea of the group being able to let loose and just pouring out as much damage as they could towards something. And it was the most fun drawing a panel. I think I've ever had in my life. They're all screaming. They're all shouting. They're all throwing everything out. There's grenades, there's spider webs shooting everywhere. And it was just, I had an immense amount of fun doing it. And I got to experiment with different lighting textures and a lot of different things, the creative process for that book. I was really proud of the second story. I've got a couple of different elements to it. One, I was working with Jeff Aragon, and this is Jeff Aragon's first time in print. He is a good friend of mine. He has been an avid comic fan since he was a kid just like me. And we worked on getting this story together. And I'm really proud of what he was able to do. So much, in fact, that he actually did the script as well for the next issue and the one beyond it. The issue's almost done. And I haven't sort started of drawing the one after it, but the script itself is still in progress. I'm really happy with the way they went. And that one the group had to go down into a tomb to deal with a horrible undead mummy. Jeff's take on the mummy was really creative. It's basically, I, I was calling him the most undead evil thing I'd ever seen. I really wanted to just punch this guy in the face every time I drew a panel with him. But Jeff had this other take where the guy, he's not just like annoying. He figured that all the pharaohs die at age 12. So even though this guy is this big, gigantic, Undead nastiness. He's mm-hmm. got the mind of this 12 year old, 14 year old kid. So he's got tunnel vision about things and he's just talking about himself constantly. And it, oh my God, he's so annoying. I really enjoyed <laughs> beating the hell out of him, I gotta tell you. Uh, like
1: Joffrey and Game of Thrones, like you're. Oh, yeah, so yeah like- that was a great
2: comparison. Oh, I didn't think of that. That is a great <laughs> comparison. If you enjoyed watching Joffrey die, <laughs> Even that story is for you. Yeah, it ended up being a lot of fun. Where the
1: where the inspiration come from for the original idea, and now going forward with volume
2: two? For you mean shifting into volume two, or just or, originally,
1: like where did you where did the idea come ah, from in your head?
2: Okay, the short version is I was raised in a very chaotic environment. <laughs> Steve <laughs> that was funny sean um in that chaotic environment i basically got raised with a, a father who was a biker meth cook and a mom who was an addict nurse uh, it, my life was very much like a combination of breaking bad and sons of anarchy at the same time uh, there were days when my dad came home covered in blood and i remember coming at, waking up at two in the morning because he made noise coming out. oh dad are you okay what's going on ah. don't worry not my blood and then he goes off to clean up. That's a true story. I once saw him sure. like track down people on the street and then clear a meth den of fifteen people with his voice. Like that that's that crazy thing, right? Stories like that, they have their cool moments, but mm-hmm. the real story about the kids who have to grow up in that is that chaos is horrible. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, I at a certain point started creating my own family a found family and that found family was a bunch of boys in this crappy little town that we all had a story one guy's parents didn't let him do anything ever another person a single mom lets him get away with it but his brothers literally beat the crap out of him every day another person like i literally went to one of my buddy's house and watched his mom beat the hell out of his stepdad more than once it that that chaos is different for everybody, but the chaos is still there when you're in that environment. Yeah. And we became really good friends. And what we bonded over was a role-playing game. And Palladium Books made a game called Heroes Unlimited. It was about being the superhero, which to me is at age 13 is like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And one of us, his name is Matt, was walking around school with this role-playing game and going up to people and asking them if they wanted to play. I was this introverted nerd. He was behind me talking to somebody. I got up the courage to ask him about the game. I went to his house to play it. And in all honesty, we played every single day for the next 400 days at his house. And then other friends ended up getting involved. Those stories were, they became damaging. As we were playing, we started realizing that there was this book played put out that all the side effects from shooting somebody made guns more powerful than lightning, more powerful than shooting fire at somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we realized that guns were a superpower. And all of a sudden they started hunting down super villains and wasting them, like gone. They're, they're dead, they're out of the book. I ran out of NPCs. So I started throwing them at supernatural stuff that they couldn't just shoot to death. Vampires <laughs> and werewolves right. and giant flying space octopus. It, it, There's one story where they had to fight a plant. And those creative stories, those weird supernatural stories, they really follow the monster of the week style pattern. And I really loved everything that was like that. I loved supernatural when it was on. I loved the first two seasons of The Flash when it was all monster of the week. I loved 18 fighting a different bad guy every single week. I, I, I loved Buffy doing that. I grew up on that concept. And so a lot of the stories I do with Damage Inc, I try not to do the magnum opus, big, bad, 26 issue run because I'd much rather do the shorter story that people get from point A to point B. They read it, they get to enjoy it. It translates a little bit better. They don't have to do this gigantic manga arc investment and things like that. And it means that while it's not my primary job, it can still be the thing that I love And what I spend my time on, and I can still keep the story going and I can link those stories together. But the Monster Week allows me to stick to a whole bunch of variety. And that's how it happened in the role playing games. And in all honesty, I owe a lot of the positive aspects of my life to that experience. So, Damage Inc. is basically an ode to that time in my life, all those friendships that allowed me to blossom as a creator blossom as a, a person It taught me how to be a husband it taught me how to be a father it taught me how to be a friend because before that i didn't have those resources it, right I, like dude my i asked my dad once for advice on how to deal with my wife when we were arguing he said can't argue with tail that, lights ah, that was his answer that's not healthy no but I talk to my friends and they, they say, okay, this I'm having that same trouble or something really similar. Let's talk about it. Let's learn from it. At one point, a friend of mine and myself were both going through huge problems maritally at about the same time. And we got to lean on each other and help each other get through it. And those are the kinds of friendships I like to relate. And I also love the fact that my friends are horribly mean to each other when we do talk to each other. And the fact that we constantly are spitting out mom jokes at each other, constantly trying to point out each other's failures instead of our successes. And if you don't have friends that you can have fun doing that with, then I think you're missing out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damage Inc. is supposed to represent those moments, the moments when you're at out getting hamburgers with your buddy and you end up arguing about Superman versus the Hulk. And then it turns into, you know what, I'm just going to kick you in the sternum because I don't like your answer or <laughs> whatever version of that. Like friends do that in, in a way in their own safe environment when they're really close. And I, I that's what I wanted to have it be a part of. I wanted to explore that. And right. I also wanted to use cannibalistic mermaids and the stories. <laughs> That was in the first issue. I also want to do necromantic monsters. That was in the stories. I want to do a a pyromaniac nurse that throws fire from her hands. Those things I like to mix into both of it. So it's life inspired mixed with my ridiculous imagination. And having it inspiring by my friends allows me to have a basis on how the dialogue should go because I get to explore that.
0: (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Sean. F- funny, funny thing. Um, this podcast was started because a bunch of nerds were getting together at a place where we were contractors and talking about Superman versus Hulk and all this other exactly, stuff. And yes. new, this new Marvel MCU that was coming around. And and yeah, and here we are, like ten years later. So like, yes. good things can come from that, definitely.
1: Yes. And I love my bald little buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> What are you well, calling
0: bald
2: <laughs> you... <laughs> i don't know i think i'm the baldest one right now
0: i i just if i move my head too far if i look down too much <laughs> you'll, you'll get
2: you'll see dude my, my hair never grew back right after the
0: cancer dude so i moved down there with you
2: <laughs> but yes. that's what it's supposed to be everybody should be able to have friends and family that they love and that's just what i went through and i want to see i really love torturing them in the comic <laughs>
1: So this is, you had said you had a bunch of stuff written. This is Kickstarter is issue one of volume two. Do you have a, do you have a plan for the volume? Like how many issues you want to go? Or are you just kind yes. of fun with it? Oh, oh okay.
0: just one thing. The title is For the Love of Spiders and Mummies. <laughs> I, I love it.
2: I tried to make, I love horror campy, like campy horror. Things like yeah. like Evil Dead, The Army of Darkness, Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Ooh, I love that one. Matter of fact, my buddy Sean keeps commenting he got to hang out with the guy who plays Dale and, and Reaper at a con just like a month ago. I, I, I love that part of things being creepy. My my drawing style does make things look scary and in the shadows and teeth and all that. And if I lean too far into it, it it, get, it gets like that. But I really love, yep, Idle Hands. that's where it was. But I, I love it. I love it being campy and, and fun. That I, That is my favorite part about the horror industry is that something can be scary as hell one moment and then campy and ridiculous the next. And it just makes the movie more fun. It Full makes Moon the movie more awesome.
0: Is it Full Moon Productions that did that? The one with the uh, Puppet Master and all the other weird uh, movies that came out that were horror movies, but they were just very oh. campy? Ever hear I don't year? have the, I don't have the production company's names
2: memorized, but yeah, Puppet Master is another good example. Oh, geez! As a they kid a growing way. up,
0: yeah.
2: watching all the horror sequels, even Freddy Krueger's got horror of funny stuff in it in the later ones. Like my favorite Freddy's Freddy Three, that's the campiest one.
1: <laughs> it's always good when it. to
2: go to space.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have or, to go to or space. Playing D anD D while finding a demon. Yeah. Oh, well, was there you go. it? Went is to full space?
0: Moon. Yeah, Full Moon Productions. They did a lot of really neat, campy, low budget stuff that I was introduced to by the guy I went <laughs> with down to Texas when I worked for Funko Land, and he was into that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just really. It was like was it later Freddy's, where it became more a social commentary on. Or, or it became more of a, a joke that yeah we're going after the teenagers because damn you teenagers and all that <laughs> but but yeah it, full moon productions you should check that out sorry went off and I tend there but it's all uh, good dude
2: to answer your, to answer your question David what the plan is I basically have a lot of stuff finished that I'm going to be putting through Kickstarter and I have a lot of scripts that I'm going to be trying to make sure get illustrated next year for example the next issue of Damage is like ninety percent complete and it's going to be written by Jeff Aragon. <clears throat> that one is a story about goblins that take over a town in Louisiana and all the fun of trying to get rid of them. Um, that story, I've tried to make sure there are personal elements so that we actually see some character growth inside of it. I've worked with him on changing some things and, and blowing it up. I'm looking forward to that one being done. And I also have two issues of The Ballad of Not. The Battle of Nod is a book that I haven't released yet, which is one that I've been working on for a very long time. That one is based on the bedtime stories that I told Camille, my daughter. She's now 16. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: When she was only three years old, eight years old. And that one's about a ratty teddy bear, how he got ratty, how he got messed up. And the fact that he's been fighting, you know, the demons that come from the dream world to protect her. One night she wakes up. And that's the same night he gets dragged into the dream world to try to save her. And she decides to go in after him to save him. So I've got projects like that are finished. And also an instinct that Sean keeps speaking. Sean and I are working on another horror book called the treatment. I've got that one where I've almost got an entire issue of that one penciled as well. I'm keeping up with a. (laughs) I'm Sorry. keeping up with a really aggressive schedule because I now have the time to do. So. I'm not working 18 hour days and I'm not driving 10 hours. So, as a result, I can spend the time being a father with my family. My kids are older, and I can spend time doing also what I love, which is making these books. So, Damaging has that, this book done. The one that is next is finished. The one that's after that is scripted, and I also have another four issues beyond it. So this volume I'm planning on it having a total of two, three, about seven chapters.
1: Okay, cool. So okay.
2: about seven issues is what I'm shooting for. And that may change as, as the scripts change and I get into them, because once you start drawing a script, things change inside of the, the page count as I have to make changes to make the the books work. And there's going to be, I'm going to try to make sure that I'm doing like three issues at the minimum each year. I'm going to try to push all the way to one book a quarter and really see how much I can get done. One of the things I've always struggled with is my job's always been very demanding. And I've always spent so much time there that I had to slow down my book production. That's not an issue anymore, so I'm going as full tilt as I can. And Plus, I have help from people like my sister. She's helping me write Nod. She's a fantastic writer and a great poet, and she's heavily involved with that. Jeff's helping me with damage, and Sean Barber is helping me on the treatment.
0: So I'm not going it alone like I used to. Just a question, because we deal with this a lot with other creators, and I'd like to get your take how do you and this is like one of the biggest problems with like creators these days is you when you try to get started you still need money to eat and clothes and shelter and all that <coughs> other stuff so how do you like you and and you can't get into you can't get into writing and comic books and stuff thinking at some point this will be my job because it this is the reason why we're having strikes these days but There are professionals like Jim Zoob who work a full-time job as a teacher. And that's what allows him
2: to produce all the scripts he produces. Yeah. In, yeah. in 100% honesty, being an artist, if you are lucky enough to have enough business acumen to be able to push that and make it your daily career, then fantastic. And that used to be my goal. It used to be something I thought about all the time. But because I was thinking about it all the time, I was also – very mad at myself for it not being what i was and what one of the things that i learned during the pandemic after the experiences of working in the bay area and being involved in all of the work it took to get a small business off the ground and flourishing is that you sometimes that's just not the only way that you can do it If I was 19 and I didn't have the responsibilities that I do, then yeah, maybe I could live off of ramen in a one bedroom closet somewhere and make that work. But I don't, I'm a dad. I have kids. I have a house. I have a wife. I have cars that I have to pay for. I have all those things and they mean a lot to me too. My life means a lot to me and I have to both acknowledge the fact that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do both. I have a supportive wife who loves to see me not be cranky and mad at myself. So she prefers that I'm working and I have kids. They go to the cons with me. One of the people viewing this just asked a question about, do I take yeah. a convention? And the answer about that one comes, I, before the pandemic, I went to every con I could within two hours of where I live in Sacramento. So I drove to Chico, I drove down into the Bay Area, I went to Vacaville, I went to Stockton. I did those things as much as possible. As a matter of fact, the writer Keith Carmona, he used to road dog with me and go to those conventions with me. Um, Scattered went to all of them. The pandemic, of course, changed that. It made it unsafe as heck for certain people, not everybody. But I'm one of those people. I'm a cancer survivor. So the pandemic was like a right. black cloud hanging over me. Right. Bad. And I, But I worked through it, which, you know, that was frightening all in itself. But the world has changed. Kickstarter has replaced a lot of that con activity. It meant that cons, before Kickstarter, cons were about trying to generate revenue for a creator. The cons have changed just like we were talking about San Diego earlier and the movies and all that trickles all the way down to the small cons where they got the actors from Power Rangers and people that were a minor character all showing up to do autographs and all of those things, they generate revenue for the con, but the people who are there for those things, and there's only a small portion of them that wander into the creators artist alley. And so those are the ones that you end up interacting with and hopefully getting them to purchase it's so It's really more about both networking and marketing now where you meet other creators, you meet other people in that same road that you're on. Some are bigger, some are smaller. You get to learn from them. You get to teach them. Uh, And it's a lot about that as well as finding those fans that want to join your email list and talking to them and being able to have that experience to be able to even just work on your book and talk about it. It's both of those things, but At the level where I'm at, before the pandemic, I would sell out of damaged books at at almost every con I was at. Part of it was because I was careful about how many books I brought. Part of it's because, as anybody can see, I like to talk. So being able to stand up at my table and speak to people instead of keeping my head down and drawing the whole time, I found that easy. Getting those relationships with people at those cons It really is the most important part of that experience now. So to answer her question, I haven't been to a con since 2018. And the the reason was, is I had to go and focus on the the work that I was doing. I, I was working for a nonprofit as well as starting that small business. And that's where my focus was. But then we ended up in the pandemic and then it became unsafe for me to go. Right. Concrete was already killing me, where I would go to every convention and spend a week off of work trying to resurrect myself from the dead. And it, it the hyper-awareness of that changed. During the pandemic, I lost family members. I, I lost my two sisters. And then my brother has had to deal with his own heart condition as a side effect of all that. It, it is a serious topic for certain people. Some people, they got through it like it was a cold. But not knowing which one you're going to be. And being, <laughs> I did. Sean's talking about Sinister cons, So Sean got me to go to a con recently. And because I went to that con with him, which was Sinister Creature Con here in Sacramento, a great small horror show where it fits in with my books, it fits in with his books, and it had a really positive atmosphere. It reminded me about all the stuff I love about going to cons. So I've already registered for Chico Con, and I'll be increasing my presence inside of the local cons as much as possible in the coming months but that's a thing where you have to step up unless you're going to max out one of your credit cards and buy every single con and do that i don't like doing that i like taking my steps and having one pay for the next one and pay for the next one and stuff like that so i try to be smart about it and remember that i'm going there to a enjoy myself and b to grow both my audience and my network of creators that that i can lean on and that can lean on me
1: i think another aspect with cons that people don't realize, is you said you were down at this level, and even the guys that are up at the high level that everyone wants them out a con. A good friend of mine had spent one I can't remember what year this was, it might have been 2012 or 2013, where he had told me he spent 14 weekends out of 26 weekends at cons, and so the majority of his time was logistics and moving his stuff mm-hmm. from con to con. Booking flights, a lot of the yeah. cons he was guests at some of them he bought the tables. And then it was like he said, My weekend becomes Tuesday and Wednesday when I'm home. And it's and then I've got a long list of projects that Marvel and DC want me to do hanging up over here. So it's just You, have,
2: you have to find a balance between yeah. them, just like I was talking what... about. And I went that's part of the reason I, I stopped when I did. I went so heavy on the cons that I wasn't getting anything else besides the cons done. But I will say this. My my daughter and my son love going with me. They go to my table. They talk to their creators. They, I love going with them. So I try to turn them into a family event when I go as much as possible. And it does cost me at least one Pokemon plushie every time I go. <laughs> uh, but I, it's also something I love doing with them. I, yeah. I did a lot of stuff like that with my, my dad. When I was a kid, he would take me to auto races. I loved fast everything and loud everything. And he hated sci-fi and whatever. (laughs) Even though he was the first person to buy me a comic book, he did that because I loved it, not because he did. So he would take me to these races and he'd take me all over to all these local grassroots races like dirt track, oval racing and all this. And I loved that experience with him. So this is just my version of that with my kids, showing them something that I love and hopefully that they can appreciate too. My son just finished his graphic novel collection of all the original Eastman Layer Turtles. because, oh, wow. Yeah, because he got hey, I love the Turtles show. Do you have their comic books? And I was like, ah, not only do I have them, you can't touch them. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an but, <laughs> Yes, they are. I have the first run out, and I don't open those. Are you kidding me? No, um, yeah, they stay in. <laughs> but what I did is I took him to the comic shop i took him to ken's comics over in rockland and i said hey buddy let's get you a graphic novel and we got the very first graphic novel that had the first few issues of eastman laird and he fell in love with it and then he saved up by doing his chores he saved up his christmas money he said he now has the first like 10 issues of yosaki Ojimbo," and each one of the, uh, the the omnibuses that are like this friggin' thick. And he's got all of them and he's got all the turtles and he's saving up because now he's okay. What is my next thing? And I was like, you're nowhere near done with the turtles. You're just done with these layered. What do you mean, dad? Oh. There's this thing called IDW. And now, so now he's about to start that. Yeah. It, and I love sharing that with him. I love it. And plus I don't own those. So I can borrow from them. Kassan has a
1: question for you. Another one. And I, I'm curious too, this is a good one. How do you manage bringing new eyeballs to your Kickstarter? I understand you do these podcasts, but can you share other ways of gaining exposure? Because yeah, like...
0: Paying Facebook for ads and stuff. Yeah. That, with, with the non-existent money you have yet.
2: <laughs> Look, I, when usually when I have money, I spend it on my email list. I run King Sumo contests I, and I try to get people to volunteer from that like for example I was in a group where together we put together a large Sorcerer Supreme package when that last movie was going out for Doctor Strange and we did a, a run for that one and we got 5,000 people that were interested in that contest because we were given away a bunch of prizes that's got magic in it it's got supernatural it's got scary elements to it so that fits with damaging I collected those now that list you know you pay and you put your own money into it and you end up with this list of 5,000 it shrinks down because not all 5,000 people are interested in hearing about other things right. but that's one of the ways that I invest in it is that I've I'm a member of comics launch which is a creators community where we learn a lot about kickstarters where we learn a lot about any goes where we learn a lot about email lists and we all share the techniques to try to help each other so it's not always easy to invest in yourself when you don't have that extra cash, but somewhere along the lines, you have to make decisions about where you can do it and work your way up as fast or as slow as you're, you can do.
1: And yeah. you're a cool dude an inspiration to the community. So people have your back and help spread the word. So some uh, of us have your back no matter what. It's <laughs> funny when I said, when JD wasn't going to be here, but I told him that you were the guest this week, he's, oh, James is a cool dude.
2: <laughs> I, JD's a, a a member of a couple of different places with me, I believe, including Comics Launch, he and I have talked before. He's a he's a great writer. Um, I'm jealous about his novels. I would love to have a bunch of novels finished, but I'm also an artist, and so I can't stop myself from drawing pretty pictures while I'm trying to write. So. <laughs> I also am a really firm believer in, in helping other creators. One of my favorite moments at the cons was because I was at the busiest con I'd ever done. I was sack animing, my table was selling like hotcakes that day. I, I think I sold about 110 issues that day, like the table once it got hot to stop. But towards the end of it, as it was slowing down, this family was nearby and I was watching their body language. And there was this little girl that was walking around and she had, she had a notebook right here and she was carrying around like this. And she was standing back to the table while her parents were talking. And dude, the second I saw that, I was like, I know exactly what that is. And I watched them go through Artist Alley and each time it was really quick. My writing partner at the time, um, he was trying to just pump our sales as hard as he could, which is, that's what you do at cons sometimes. Yeah. But he didn't know what he was looking at, and he was trying to sell to the dad. Um, I interrupted him while he was talking, which he did not like. But what I did do is I talked to her. I was like, hey, I bet you're an artist. I I bet you have some questions. And I hit the nail right on the head immediately. The dad put his arm behind her and pushed her up to me. That was why they were there. The dad was trying to get this introverted artist to talk to other creators because that was what her dream was. Right. And I said, Hey, I'd love to see your notebook. I bet you, you got some awesome stuff in there. Why don't you show it to me? And I got her to show me a couple of different things. When I, I really loved what I was looking at. I, I remember being her age. When I was her age, I lived in this remote little mountain town. I couldn't do any of this. There wasn't that freaking internet. All I had was the back of Marvel comic books that were 15 years old because of where I lived, dude. I I had no way of knowing what the next steps were in the industry. And I happen to carry, whenever I go to cons, a a cheat sheet for somebody who is looking for that. Where do I start? How do I contact other creators? What are some things that can teach me the basics of lettering? How does a script – all that stuff that nobody knows to teach those people that they have to go out and find. Now, the Internet is a great resource, and you can find all of that. You absolutely can. And it's grown easier over time. But when I started going to cons, it was And it was an awesome experience to be able to give that girl all of that information and then hopefully see her again later. The father thinks me, the girl takes the sheet of paper, I told her she can email me anytime, ask other questions, and then the family moved on. My my writing partner turns to me and goes, how dare you interrupt me? You blew a sale. I was going to sell them all of this book. And I was like, man, I don't think you understood what was going on. And you and I may be here for two different reasons, but let's just understand that and and let that go. When he stood for a little bit, an hour later, as the comments was coming down, that dad ran back into Artist Valley. And he went up and he bought every single book at the table. And he's, thank you so much. I, he's, I wanted to say thank you. My kids and my wife, they're all going about their stuff. I wanted to come back and say thank you. And I want to buy every single thing you got. And it wasn't about the sale for me. I was glad to see that. I was glad to see his gratitude. Some of this is about helping the other creators and being that person that all of us wished we were and wished we had when we were kids.
1: Yeah, it's nice. funny because I've been thinking about this kind of stuff lately. And there's, you know, it's funny. You're right. All that information at this point is available online. But I feel like when you hear it from a person who can explain it to you in a way that you get, because the stuff you find online is going to be like a bullet point through this. But to really understand what you got to do, sometimes you have to talk to someone. Uh, yes, yeah, not the same. So and that's a good question, right? Like people go to cons to mingle right that's one of the main reasons conventions exist is to meet other artists mingle people can just buy a ticket and talk to artists and learn about the craft and stuff what's something you would advise to a you know a kid that might be watching this or or listening who wants to go to a con and wants to learn how to get into the business what's something you would tell them to do or things they should ask the artists
2: there (sighs) that's a good question I think it's going to be different for every single creator, every single kid. There's different skill levels, different resources, and each one's going to be different. Some Mm -hmm. people are going to say, how do I work digitally? Other people are going to say, what kind of pencils do you use? And it's going to vary every single time. What I would tell them is don't be afraid to ask. All of us have been on that journey. Every single one of us was that 12-year-old kid. All of us. Todd McFarlane was that 12-year-old kid. Yep. Yep. All of us, it doesn't matter. Those same millionaire gatekeepers, some of them started that way. Other ones are silver spoon brats, but that's a different story. (laughs) (laughs) Most everybody who's on a creative path started by just trying to understand who they were, what their voice was and how they find that voice. And that seeking that mentor, seeking that understanding, seeking that next step is universal. Go ask questions. Don't be afraid to get answers you don't like. Don't be afraid to find out you have work to do. And if you get in front of a good creator, because I've been in front of bad ones, the good creator is going to look at your stuff and say, I see a bunch of good creativity here. But I also see these things you need to accomplish. I see these things that you need to work on. Right. But I would love to see more. I, I Contact me, show me, and I'll keep giving you tips. Those are the good guys if they have the time. But not everybody does. The very first professional I was ever in contact with, I showed him. I was so excited. I got my first book done. It was hella amateur, but I was so excited about it. And I did everything by hand, nothing digital. And I brought it all to him. And I was so excited to put it in front of him. And he looked at it. And instead of giving me any positive feedback about my creativity or about the fact that I was on that journey in the first place, instead I got a lecture about how my style is so different from how style that I'll never find work and should give up or completely change my style. I, I, I don't like oh him. Gosh. I've run into him several times, and I'm not going to say his name, but I have outsold him at every con I've ever been at <laughs> with him. And, ah, it, there's always going to be a mixture of those people, but if you're honest about the fact that you're on that journey and that you're not the golden child that your first book is going to shoot through the roof, that's the yeah. truth. You're yeah. on that journey like the rest of us, and we're glad that you're there. Ask the creators. Find the ones that have things that are similar to what you love, and don't be afraid to talk to us.
1: Along those lines, too. So we signed the podcast off by saying, don't let your cape caught in the door, which... Started it started as a joke and has become the mean, don't let your shortcomings and your foibles get in your way of achieving your goals. I think I know, might know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway, what's something that you've overcome in your life
3: uh, to achieve <laughs> a goal?
1: And it could be any goal. It doesn't necessarily have to be comics, but what's something you've overcome in your life to achieve a goal?
2: Hardest thing that I've done at a professional level was walking away from that small business that I was helping build because I was, and being honest with myself, that unhappy I was. Yeah. I, that business belongs to one of my closest friends. And I honestly want him to be as successful as he can possibly be. But I was absolutely miserable. I was affecting him. I was affecting others. And when he and I were talking about it, he asked me to be honest. And it hurt to say that. It hurt to say that because everything that I ever did with him matters to me immensely yeah but i also had to be honest with myself i was beating myself to hell and i was there to help him but i wasn't there to help myself and sometimes that's not where you should be even if you're there for the right reason and sometimes looking at something that you're doing and being honest that you need to take a different route even if it's harder even if it even if it's scarier it is the only way you're going to find that part of yourself that you're looking for. And until you do, you're going to be incomplete and miserable. And even when you find the path you're supposed to be on, you're not going to be happy (laughs) because happy is a thing where you get to at, at the end of the road and there is no end of the road. But what you can find is the joy of the journey that you're on and being a part of something that you love in a way that fulfills you.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's something I've definitely learned in my life. Happiness is fleeting. Like, you're happy in a moment, and you've got to learn to cherish that moment, but you're not always... No one wakes up happy every day, loves their job every day they go to it, and goes to bed happy, like, every day. Nobody does that. But I also think that's one of the evils of social media, is that people think other people are happy all the time because it's all they post are those moments that yeah. they're happy, not, they didn't post that moment that the, they got into a fight with their wife or they didn't impose that moment that their, their neighbor the boss shot told them to
0: work overtime or, Oh, you there know. you go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Those are good examples of exactly that. And if you can't find the joy in what you're trying to do, then you're never going to, you're just going to keep searching for that empty thing. And I've done plenty of that as most people do until they get old enough to realize that the journey is supposed to be about finding the joy on the journey.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right. You know what? We're getting a little long, so I'm going to a couple more questions here. First one is the most important question. Of course, I'm going to let people I'm know. I'm going to let people know first. Down in the description below is the link to your Kickstarter, so people should go check that out. But besides that one, where can people
2: find you online? My website is angrybrainartworks.com. I can also be found at scattercomics.com. I'm a part of Scattered Comics. It's a group of creators that all work together out in Sacramento and in Northern California. There's we even got a gentleman in Canada who works with us, and I'm findable through all that on Instagram, which not the most active on, but I'm trying. Is James I? I believe it's James Burton8140 on TikTok, which I'm trying to learn that. Sean Barber, the guy who keeps interjecting in the chat, he's spending time teaching me that he's really good at making memes and being funny on TikTok, and I'm jealous. He's got thousands of followers already, and he's trying to teach me to pull my head out of the career. I don't
1: get TikTok. That's all I'm saying.
2: (laughs) My kids like to create, uh, like, playlists and then send them to me and then force me to spend an hour watching cat videos every single day. Oh... Wait, Uh, cats and raccoons. Can't forget the raccoons.
0: Oh, no, raccoons are big, man. They're taking over cats. Yes, my kids are absolutely loving that.
2: And it's one of those things I do, not because I I truly understand it, but because I like seeing them smile, and they like torturing me, so it's amazing.
1: (laughs) Those trash pandas. All right. Uh, Hey. (laughs) And then the last question that we usually end the interviews on, I'm sure we asked you this many years ago, could have changed. And you may have already answered this question, but let's see. How do you measure success?
2: It's not by how much money you have. It's not by how many things, how much work titles you have and all that. All those things can bring you those fleeting moments of happiness, but they ebb and flow like all things. But For me, success is really about I've learned how to be a good partner to my wife. I've learned how to be a better father to my kids. I've learned how to be a better friend to my friends. It wasn't always like that. Tunnel vision, my own trauma, my own problems, they were always in the way for a lot of that. And when I was sitting on my deathbed many years ago, I didn't spend more than a couple of seconds thinking about the work I was leaving behind. And... The only reason I even thought of it was because I wish I was leaving more resources behind for my family. Most of the time that I spent was wishing and hoping that I got a chance for my kids to know me and I got a chance to see my daughter graduate kindergarten. Now I've seen her blossom. I've seen her grow into a person that that just... Her wonder at the world and her plans for the future, the, the, I find all of that absolutely fantastic. I, I live vicariously through her hope. My son is learning to play the guitar. at In the evenings at my house, you can hear his mistakes and you can hear his successes. I love watching that. He, he's, he spent this whole summer making a, a movie with his best friends in their backyard. Mm-hmm. I haven't got to see it yet, but it makes him giggle every day. And I can't wait to see it finished. The fact that my son is a storyteller all on his own way, that's an immortality that I couldn't have ever guessed at. Those are the things that when I think about them make my heart beat. They, that's where my joy comes from. It doesn't come from all the success that I had in the past. There was a there was a contract that I stole from my previous employer just by being better than them one year, several years ago. And that did put a warm and fuzzy feeling inside of me because it was a lot of money. Yeah. But it's not what I think about. I, I think about getting to see my kids become what they're going to be. And I think about those nights where my wife falls asleep in my arms Those are the things that drive me and they're the things that make me feel like a human being.
1: You had my mind going because my father used to say all the time, nobody sits on their deathbed and says, I wish I had spent more time at work. And that's a lesson I took to heart. It's it's true. That's not what's important at the end of the day. And that's a beautiful thing. You got, unfortunately, you had to go through what you went through, right? Yep. But you learned a lot from it and it's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, uh, trauma and opposition sucks. But it's an opportunity to learn a lot about yourself. And when you learn to finally be honest with yourself, then you actually learn more about who you want to really actually be. Yeah, and it, you, it, it leads you with... Yeah, it does. It, it absolutely It's your
0: perspective completely.
2: Yeah. It, 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 you're still not perfect. No. I still get angry. <laughs> I still... My wife didn't talk to me for two days last week because I ticked her off. And it, it was it was over something that is probably dumb, but it was just one of those dumb arguments that one of us thought that they needed to win. And before you get to it, you say something dumb and somebody raises their voice. And that's that kind of stuff now happens way less often. But when I was a kid, man, my parents taught me to die on every hill. They argued and screamed all over the place. I remember watching my dad set my mom in a sink full of dishes and walk out of the house and not come back for a week or move out entirely and go to his houseboat because they were just so busy arguing. All kinds of other really crazy stories that are way more fit for drama television shows than something like, and that's not who I want to be, but it's who I was trained to be. And being honest with yourself about where some of that frustration is coming from when you're mad. How dare you talk to me that way? That's not even what it's really about. You're doing this because your dad taught you to. You're doing this because your mom taught you to manipulate other people. You're doing this because because of the guy who kicked your ass when you were in first grade. Mm -hmm. Understanding those emotions always leads you to bettering yourself.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's, thank you very much. Let's wrap this up with, we'll go around. And I always, I used to always just be recommendations, but I've changed it to, do you have, do you have any recommendations or did you learn anything on the podcast this
2: week? <laughs> uh, you, I have got to enjoy a lot of really funny conversations listening to you guys over the last few weeks. I hadn't done that in a long time. I just hadn't really gotten into podcasts and you guys have brought me back to how much I love this so much before as far as the things that i enjoyed i i loved hearing that i wasn't the only person concerned about some of that stuff that's going on for creatives i enjoyed learning about a lot of that this week john you've got a lot more research in dc than i've ever got so (laughs) i I love hearing your perspectives on the rest of that i love hearing jd's take on uh, a lot of different
0: creative modes and that's pretty much where my head is at the moment I like doing research into stuff that depresses me.
1: <laughs> what else do you have? What else do you have, John, to, to, for the audience?
0: That's a John, weird uh, pedigree, dude. Don't judge. Yeah. As always, I've learned nothing except that there's yet another Kickstarter that I just backed, and you just made your second uh, stretch goal, by the way, or over and what? I did. Bucks. Oh, yeah, holy 90, crap! That's 90, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> 950 bucks. So that means yeah, I, it's time for bookmarks. <laughs> yes, and I just need I, I just happen to need some physical bookmarks because I'm—I've started instead of buying stuff on Kindle, I've started buying physical books again. Now I just need a couple of bookcases. Anyway, <laughs> I, as far as my recommendations are concerned, we've talked about this before, where there's movies we want to see, but we know it's going to cost a lot, and if we just wait a certain few months now instead of years, it'll come out on streaming. Well, sixty-five the movie with Adam driver about where I'm in going to, they crash land their spaceship on earth 65 million years ago. That's on yeah, Netflix. Cause that would cause problems. <laughs> um, so that's on Netflix. And I only just found that out just before we did this cast. I'll be watching that. But one thing that I am wholeheartedly recommending, there is another thing that just came out on Netflix. It's called Nimona. It's a CGI animation. It is one of the best told stories that I have seen in a long time. The characters are amazing, especially the character of Nimona. Oh, yeah. I have a question about that. Hmm? Did you catch the name of the knight who never got in
2: trouble? His name is Golden Loin.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. There's a lot of in-jokes there. Um, I couldn't stop laughing. That was half of half of why
2: I enjoyed the film was the fact that it, every time he appeared, I shouted, look, at Sir Golden Loin. And my son and I just giggled like two 12-year-old morons. Oh,
0: yeah. And there's, the script is, in addition to that, like, the the script is just top-notch. And there is just, you might have to watch it two or three times because there are, like, three-millisecond comments by some of the characters that you're, like, you don't catch the first time, but you catch it the second time. It's, oh, my God, that's hilarious. And, like, the, the cast, Chloe Grace Moretz plays Nimona. It's just, this is just, it is a great show. It's appropriate for kids, and even Hopefully. though some of the stuff, some of the stuff will go a little bit over there. but it is a good story about, again, I like things that talk about how uh, horrible human beings are, how many yeah, lupus, yeah. the, the Latin, but yeah, it's, I don't know, I, it was just, it's an uplifting story at the end, and it's about how human beings should accept each other, no matter what their differences are.
2: Yeah, I I got that that was the theme and I enjoyed the movie I, I did. I thought it could have slowed down a little bit. Yeah. It, there were there were parts where, yeah, man, there's a couple of it where I'm just like, it, it felt more forced than it needed to. Not because the dialogue felt unnatural or anything like that. It just felt, wow, these two people are like way too close all of a sudden. Or like, it just, it felt rushed. I think it could have had it about another 30 minutes with the film time and it, it really would have hit a stronger mark. And I bet you there's probably a separate cut where that exists
0: somewhere. R- R- wait, well, at least storyboarded, right? Because yeah. in the CGI, they only rendered what they did. But but yeah, like it, they, they're they pushing it as a kid's movie. It's an, uh, at an hour and 42 minutes, probably an hour 30, you minus the credits. For that reason, yeah. And then, yeah, they were kid- cutting it down for kids. But yeah, if I'm sure there's more to the story where they filled it out more. But even with what they've got, it's... I'm wholeheartedly recommending this. I'm glad you've seen I it, too. It's awesome. Yeah, my, my son wanted to
2: see it as soon as it came out. He'd heard so much about it being a graphic novel, and he wanted, and I hadn't read that.
3: Oh, I didn't uh, know it was a graphic novel.
2: Yeah, it, it was a comic first, and it wasn't one that I was aware of, so he was all super excited that he knew that, and I didn't, and he wanted to sit down and watch it with me. I really loved the end. The character design was really strong. And in a lot of those, the character design misses, yeah. but in this one, it was strong basically because proof of concept is in that comic form. I loved her full blown monster shape at the end. I thought that was really creative and I loved seeing it. And yeah, I, I also recommend that a lot. I just, there's little editing tweaks I would have done. Like I love seeing the Mona as the little, as the younger version it's of herself, but I, I would have put that way earlier in the movie than waiting as long as I did. Yeah. It's she got she gets borderline annoying, and then it shows you that, and then you're like, "Oh, that's way better." Right. <laughs> so, so little, those those are my critiques as a creator,
0: but as a fan, I enjoyed the hell out of it. So again, it's called Nimona, N I, O N A. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, and your criticisms were probably part of because Netflix likes to interfere with stuff, and even <laughs> with whatever interference there was from them. It's still one of the best things I've seen in a long time. Some of the Netflix animations are fantastic. When Klaus
2: came out, that blew me away. It's now like one of my family favorites. Some of their animation is definitely top
0: notch. Yeah, Coney can't communicate if you like anim. Sorry, sorry, Dave, we went off on Uh, another tangent again.
1: I I learned that if I walked away, you two could keep going for another hour.
2: Uh, Probably. Oh yeah. (laughs) What do you want to talk
0: about, John? Let's let's give Dave a break. I've got more. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Your daughter's in anime, right? Yeah. I actually, yeah. There
1: you go. I, uh, <laughs> I you actually up, Dave? learned that that in a world that sometimes feels like it's filled with terrible people who only care about making money, that thank God people like you, James, exist. That out of chaos, you learn to tell beautiful stories.
0: That kid will probably remember what you taught, what you talked to him about, for the rest of their life, and they may become an artist because of it.
2: And I absolutely appreciate that perspective. And if that is the only positive thing that I'm remembered for on this earth is helping that one artist, that's a good thing. And I absolutely appreciate that perspective. And I
1: will recommend, first off, if you're watching this right now and you're on the YouTubes, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Click that bell for the notifications for when we go live. Usually on Sundays this week, because of me, we're a day late also recommend down in that description below is the link for the Kickstarter on both Facebook and YouTube. Go check it Follow out. Follow and share, guys. It's how many days do we got left uh, on this here? I think
2: 10 days are left. It's a shorter Kickstarter. This book was really about waking up my fan base after a long time. And the next project's going to be bigger. So I kept it fitting with the project. Cool.
1: Yes. So yeah, go check it out. James is a great artist and he's a great guy. So go support him. And lots of recommendations. I got other than, other than what I just said, I got nothing this week.
2: I do have a recommendation, that David, that I just recalled after talking okay. about so many things. Cool. On that Kickstarter, there's a work that's not entirely mine. And that work is the Cthulhu books. And if you look down at the rewards, one of the rewards has these two books called Cthulhu versus Oz and a two, Cthulhu versus Wonderland. The Fulu versus Wonderland is the is basically a huge project by Travis Gibb and Orange Cone Productions, where he herded a lot of artists, a lot of creators, all together to produce something really magical. The book is a dark fantasy and it was just nominated for a Ringo Award. That book is available through that Kickstarter. It raised a lot of money on Indiegogo, and for anybody who wasn't able to get it there, you can also get it there on the Kickstarter. It's 200 pages of really beautiful work, not just my own. That's where you see the Cthulhu on some of the artwork that we were showing a little bit earlier. That's from that book. It's beautiful, it's well-made, 200 pages, and it was knocked out of the park. the very least, go and check it out and follow the Ringo link where you guys can go ahead and everybody who's a creator, log on in there and vote for that project, as well as a bunch of other indie creators, help us promote all, all the people that were involved because that book absolutely deserves to get the award. It's probably the most visually professional and
0: together and just gorgeous piece of work I've ever been involved with. Awesome. Just one more thing, to like when I backed your thing, I saw that, oh, I'm getting Cthulhu and I laughed because the last Kickstarter that I backed with, uh, with that had Cthulhu in it was uh, Dirk Manning's Little Cthulhu. And I made a mistake when I put in my information when the Kickstarter ended. And I uh-huh. wound up with, I somehow <coughs> wound up with 12 Little Cthulhu plushies. I have no idea what to do with them. So, like, I backed this one. Like, like I said, oh, I got more Cthulhu. Why am I getting more Cthulhu now? It's
1: like, <laughs> All right. I will also recommend that you head on over to superheroespeak.com you can find this podcast every week links to all our social media at the top of the page comic book reviews by our good friend Kristen. we actually just put one up today it is fish files number one and Kristen gave this a 10 out of 10 Ooh. so check out his review and then go check out the book from image yeah so it's a six parts mini series so we'll see all right on that note boys and girls as always thanks for watching don't let your keep caught the door Have a good week. Thank you, guys.